This podcast is sponsored by Lullaman Plant Care, the manufacturer of Lolfix Pro Yield Liquid Soybean. Support your growers, support your community. And welcome to The Scoop Podcast. I'm editor of The Scoop, Margie Echelkamp, joined today by Ken Zuckerberg. He is an agribusiness analyst for CoBank, and we are going to be discussing the future of agribusiness and what it means to ag retail. Ken, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to be with you. So just to kind of set the stage a little bit, what would you share about the current state of the macro economy and the ag economy? So the Global and U.S. economies have been slowing, but inflation remains very high. Uh, The situation is presenting what we would call, for the broad economy, darkening economic clouds that may result in a global recession. The farm economy is a bit different. It's positioned to deliver a record year of income, as projected by USDA. And in fact, it's the highest since 2012 on an inflation-adjusted basis, all the more this has occurred without much government support in 2022 relative to prior years. Now, grain prices remain above average and futures markets are telling us that they're going to be higher uh, in 2023. However, this occurs at a time when there is rising uh, fertilizer prices, labor and energy inflation. The good news is that the U.S. farmer has the cash and can afford to pay for these higher production costs, even if they would prefer not to. So net-net, the farm economy is in decent shape, although people obviously are worried about the broader uh, U.S. economy. So with all of your analysis, how is agribusiness doing? And, And if I made you distill it down to perhaps the three top trends, what would they be? So I would say the the top three trends impacting ag retailers in particular are economic uncertainty, volatility, and labor challenges. If you'll permit me to, I'll now elaborate on each of these uh, uh, variables or, or Absolutely, trends. Absolutely, yeah. So economic uncertainty, that stems from the economic slowdown, high inflation, a looming recession in Europe, and of course, the Federal Reserve's actions, which are uh, essentially raising interest rates, which are concerning to American companies and consumers. Now, volatility is across the board. Stock markets, bond markets, fertilizer prices, gas, diesel, natural gas, all of these have been very volatile over the past six to 12 months. And much of the recent volatility is driven or exacerbated by the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Grain prices uh, continue to be volatile um, because of puts and starts on exports and the strong dollar, which uh, uh, some view as uh, uh, often a negative to uh, exports. It makes our products more expensive. And all of that changes the outlook for farm income, which then changes what non-farm speculators do with futures contracts, which creates a lot of zig and zag in the commodity markets. And let's not forget about the barge problems on the Mississippi River, which has occurred due to drought and climate change. And I guess I'd remiss to, to if I'd be remiss if I didn't remind people that we have another looming railroad strike, uh, political infighting and disruption. By the way, China also goes back and forth on lockdowns. Besides that, the world is uh, 
terrific Margie. Well, I would just share real quick, you know, anytime we have an update on that looming railroad strike and it goes in our daily scoopy newsletter, it is our top click article. And it is just something that is so pressing for ag retailers. Well, I'm watching it as well because it it definitely affects the retailers, obviously, from the standpoint of uh, uh, fuel and, and fertilizer uh, to uh, uh, the Midwest and also for the grain uh, right. co-ops that are you know, shipping grain out. Uh, Morgie, the third area, let me just yes. go into the labor issue. So rural America, as you know, has struggled with this issue for many years. We've had urbanization, shifts to regional city centers. It's a long-term structural trend. Um, but there are some other factors that continue to weigh on the labor situation, which I think people forget about. Lower U.S. birth rates over the past 20 years, reduced immigration, and baby boomer retirements, something that accelerated uh, during COVID. Now, I'm not a, uh, a doom and gloom type of guy. I always wake up uh, uh, happy. The good news here is that robotics, automation, and other types of ag technologies, in my opinion, can help address many of the labor challenges in farming. Yeah. I was just as a side note, I was talking to an ag retailer about how some of the ways that they've digitized and automated their business. And it's really just helped the morale of the labor they have because people aren't doing these mundane tasks anymore. They're doing the type of work that they like to do. Okay. So Ken, next question for you would be, so you alluded to it earlier. We have a diversity in ag retail business structures, right? We have a lot of co-ops, we have independents, we have a lot of national companies, et cetera. So if you could just real quickly touch on the greatest challenge facing farmer co-ops and perhaps the, the greatest challenge for those private or independently owned retailers. So if we go beyond the labor issue, I would say that uh, ag retailers, regardless of their enterprise structure or ownership, face challenges from above, below, and the sides. This was outlined in a report we did a few years ago, which examined the increased negotiating power of buyers and uh, suppliers to all the way to new entrants in the market. Let me explain a little bit. As farms consolidate and become more technologically sophisticated, the growers are demanding different types of services, volume-based discounts, and candidly, better help, more, uh, more technical help in implementing precision ag programs. Many buyers want to buy inputs online, as you and I have discussed in the past. Thus, one of the uh, challenges is ag needs to recognize, perhaps the biggest challenge is, that bus the business model is changing and they need to listen to the customer and the customer of the future. Uh, the folks at Aimpoint have a brilliant analysis about the farmer of the future. And that individual, he and she are more sophisticated, they're smarter, they research, they want choice, and they're not as, if you will, brand uh, loyal as perhaps the past generation was. So perhaps a big change here is that the inherent uh, uh, benefit that the uh, co-ops have always had with loyalty, not so much going forward. Yeah. Ken, I feel like a question I like to ask every expert and smart person like yourself that I talk to would be, as we sit here in 2022, 
What's been the greatest change driven by the COVID-19 pandemic and that will really stick around for ag retail? I think there's a recognition that the supply chains are, uh, and, and the concentration of production overseas and what can happen in the wake of a black swan event, I think that's really the major learning. Now, to be clear, the risks vis-a-vis concentration and dependence on Asian manufacturing were always there. They've, they've been growing candidly over the past 40 years. However, now they, you know, the problems when, when, when uh, uh, ships stop running and, and China stops manufacturing, those problems and risks with regard to concentration become acutely apparent. Another issue is climate, weather volatility. Last year, we had a hurricane that took out power in New Orleans. And it wasn't even the damage. It was the loss of power that stopped grain exports. This year, as is often the case, the Mississippi River uh, is low. It's always low. This year, it it was at a 100-year low. And the lower depth and the lower width of of, uh, uh, the river has actually complicated uh, uh, barge traffic in both directions. So I think the wake-up call here with COVID is the world is probably more volatile than we had wanted to admit previously. Excellent. So we are talking to Ken Zuckerberg. He is the agribusiness analyst at CoBank. We will be right back after this commercial break. There are a lot of inoculant companies, but there's only one, Lollaman Plant Care. Lollaman, the manufacturer of Lolfix branded inoculants, including Lolfix Pro Yield Liquid Soybean and Lolfix Start Spherical Granular Inoculants, is a family-owned company that recognizes the importance of the communities anchoring our rural landscape. They are committed to supporting retail partners and helping them succeed. That's why they created the Hometown Roots Program. The Lullaman Hometown Roots Family Contest helps retailers provide their customers with class-leading inoculants while enabling them to give back to the communities that they are part of. Visit LullamanHometownRoots.com for details or contact your Lullaman sales representative. And welcome back to the Scoop podcast. I'm editor of the Scoop, Margie Echelkamp, joined by Ken Zuckerberg of CoBank. So Ken, let's maybe shift just a little bit and talk about what ag retailers can do, right? What what kind of mindset should they bring to some of these challenges that you mentioned? And so you are presenting at the upcoming ARA conference. What's your overall message? What are you looking to bring to the group at ARA? So the overall message is one that with chaos and risk uh, comes opportunity. And adopting a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset is always uh, the right strategy, especially in times of chaos. Uh, business, the business world is full of examples of companies that uh, failed to pivot their operating model when the facts change. You may have heard me speak about this in the past, Kodak, Sears, Blockbuster Video. These were all companies that uh, had gotten to where they were based on a tried and true formula, but then new disrupt 
uh, disruptions and new entrants came into their businesses and uh, unfortunately uh, took share and in all three of the cases really uh, uh, put the companies into bankruptcy. So where I sit with ag retail is there are so many strong institutional traditions that the ag retailer brings. Uh, we, we need to celebrate those. The trusted uh, source of information and product choice for farmers, that's the history we don't want to forget about. One idea I have for the retailers is to diversify and expand their services to be able to separate the uh, advice part of their business from the product part of the business. I think that ag retailers deliver tremendous value helping farmers understand which products uh, are most helpful to produce a crop. The problem is that they give away that advice for free and the products uh, by definition are or most of them are commodities. So the uh, message I'm going to bring is to look at different parts of the business, see where there are greater opportunities for customer engagement, advice, and to get paid adequately for both the products you sell and the advice you provide. No, excellent. The the one part of that Kodak story specifically that has just stuck with me, Ken, is that a Kodak engineer actually had the patent on the digital camera. They had the future in house and they just didn't carry the ball and Marty, they didn't see it. You are absolutely right. And and if we go back and think about it, Kodak brought the first digital camera to the moon. And then they had that patent, they had the information, they had the prototype. And what they decided to do instead was make copiers. So I can understand um, the dynamic that perhaps they didn't want to cannibalize their existing business. And by the way, their market share of film and camera was over 80% in the 1970s. Now you contrast that, not to go on a soapbox about a different industry, but if we contrast that with, uh, with Apple, Apple created the iPod, which then grew into portable music and portable engagement, which then uh, morphed into a, a product that I'm holding in my hand that most of us have, that itself has displaced so many things, including right. the camera. So when you think about the pace of change in business, it's never been faster. The last five years, there's probably been more change than the previous 100. And when I look at agriculture, I say to myself, we have a playbook for reorienting the product and service approach to the consumer. We have a playbook for many industries. So what I think about with you know Kodak or Blockbuster video that was displaced by Netflix is let's not do that. Let's learn from these other industries and avoid that. Yeah. So, you know, that's another inherent message. And there's always a message of hope because I look at this industry and I say, we all know that it's mission critical, but let's make sure that the businesses themselves are as resilient as possible. Okay, so let me ask you directly then, Ken, can you share the key characteristics of the ag retailer of the future? What would be in their playbook? How should they get outfitted? Margie, at the moment, that's really classified information. 
<laughs> However, if you and your audience have the opportunity to join us at ARA, I will gladly spill the beans uh, at the time at that time. All right. So everybody come join us in San Diego. Ken will be there. I'll be there. All kinds of industry leaders. And uh, we'll look forward to that presentation for sure. So Ken, we've talked a lot about opportunity. What is being overlooked by ag retailers today? What would you say is the biggest missed opportunity? So I think, as I alluded to before, I think the missed opportunity is to get paid separately for agronomic advice. Um, I've talked about this, this in different ways before in conjunction with the digital transformation of agriculture. Um, you know, in, in the technology business, we see software as a service. Why can't we have precision agronomic advice as a service? Um, if farmers end up buying directly, from the input suppliers, which we're starting to hear a lot more rumblings about, you know, the critical value-added advice provided by those retailers, which connect the dots for the farmer, I think that's uh, uh, both the opportunity and a saving grace between those that uh, uh, achieve long-term success from this point forward and those that uh, fall by the wayside. Okay, Ken, I have three kind of rotating sets of questions that I like to ask every guest who comes on the podcast, okay? And so the first one would be, what keeps you up at night? The Russia-Ukraine situation, and I think more so because the more I learn about it, the more I realize that this was not one or two years in the making. This was decades in the making. And the fact that uh, Germany and Europe were so reliant on a country that doesn't have a great track record for, um, you know, ethical behavior, that really scares me. And I guess what, what bothers me more is that if you stand back and you think about what's going on here, they're not winning on the battlefield, but they're winning in terms of dividing NATO and wedge putting wedges between, you know, U.S. political parties. So that's the thing that I would say probably keeps me up the most. And it has such a profound impact on agriculture because of all the grain produced in the region and the energy produced, as well as the fertilizers. Yeah. So let's maybe even rewind a little, just ugh, a couple months before the Russian invasion, but a year ago. What do you wish you knew a year ago that you know now? Well, I, I think myself and others were looking at the military exercises that were being done um, on the border with a very firm view that that's what they do before they, uh, you know, attack. So it's not that uh, missed the boat. I guess what I wish, uh, uh, you know, we had the ability to uh, to realize was whether or not China's lockdowns would have been over, because to the extent that we had uh, and still have some challenges in the supply chains, um, it would have been helpful if there was a crystal ball to tell us that the supply chain situation would still be a, a bit challenging. Okay, so I'm going to pull out that crystal ball. Okay. And so I want you to make a prediction. What are we going to be talking about a year from now? So, one year from now, 
I think we may be talking about a realization that no matter how high the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, the labor situation and the labor challenges are going to be with us. As I mentioned before, we've had many years of lower birth rates, baby boomers retiring, um, COVID accelerated that we have uh, changes in immigration policy, whether formal or informal. And I think a year from now, uh, we'll probably look back on this and say, well, the Federal Reserve was obviously focused on raising interest rates to curb uh, consumer spending and to take uh, some of the uh, froth off of uh, a very robust economy. But I think we'll be sitting here, especially in ag, saying, wow, the labor challenge, though, remains, and we need to do something about that. Ken, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know folks can join us in San Diego, November 29th through December 1st for the ARA Conference and Expo. Full details available at aradc.org. And Ken, if folks want to connect with you, where can they find more information? So people can find me on LinkedIn. I usually post a lot about where I'm uh, speaking and and the research reports that uh, I'm providing. But most importantly, please go to cobank.com, choose Knowledge Exchange, and then select on uh, the industry of interest. What I love about uh, the team I'm part of is first we're called Cobank Knowledge Exchange as opposed to research. We do research all the time, but philosophically, we engage with our customers and stakeholders to to, uh, uh, exchange information, exchange knowledge. Um, The next thing is within that uh, uh, website, you will see dairy and uh, specialty crops and my sector, grains and farm supply, biofuel, power, energy, water. So people that have an interest in different parts of the rural economy can go there and all of our reports and information um, is free for the public to enjoy. Excellent. Well, that is Ken Zuckerberg of CoBank. Ken, thank you for coming on. I'm Margie Eckelkamp, editor of The Scoop. And until we are on the podcast again together, I wish everybody a safe and productive season.